This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for football. Salah. This kick can Salah off. Brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Absolutely sensational. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome to Just for Kicks, where we will be today looking at uh, Champions League, Europa League, uh, what's it called? Papa John's League, and also the Premier League and um, Malaysia Cup with our three pundits. We have the legendary Bob Holmes. Only just so, eh? Uh, but uh, good to be here anyway. Yeah, we had some technical issues with Bob, but uh, somehow managed to go, uh, get through that. Uh, Gogolin. Hi, guys. Yeah, they did, they did an age verification check on Bob, so it took a while. <laughs> and the technology. Yeah. And finally, Des Corkill. Young and vibrant and enjoying the football without too many VAR stupidities to ruin it. Which is a relief for all of us, by the way, Des. Uh, so we're going to start off with Champions League, the final uh, group stage matches, where everything was decided, and especially in the group of death, the Tottenham Hotspur group, where everything was decided in the last dying seconds. I think we've all discovered with Tottenham Hotspur, uh, Goglin, that if you're scheduling your viewing experience, all you have to do is tune into the last five minutes or just injury time in order to appreciate Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, why, why Goglin? Well, I think there's no more. This is the new, new thing called the Conte time, right? It used to be Fergie time. Now it's Conte time. Yeah, they've been pulling it out of their head for two games in a row. So I know Spurs fans were living on the edge. I mean, especially that Premier League game, though. My God, what the end of the <laughs> edge of the seat stuff that was. I mean, that's what the Premier League's all about, though. But this one, yes, I think they left it really late. But I thought, you know, to be fair, it was gone, you know. And to come up with that, you know, I don't know. Spurs are showing some grit now, like I said. They really need to pull up the socks in the Premier League, but in the Champions League, there's, there's going to be a lot more coming up. So, you know, let's. this is where Conte earns his bucks. Yeah, uh, Bob, I think that uh, Tottenham Hotspur are not very good, but they're third in the Premier League. They top their group in the Champions League, but they're just kind of not very good. I know where you're coming from. Yeah, um, they're not very good in the first half. Uh, probably not so good in the first half of the second half. But in the last 10 minutes, they're absolutely brilliant. Um, but they can't keep getting away with it, can they? Um, I thought it was interesting, uh, Conte's reaction. I mean, he's the most animated of managers in the dugout, isn't he? And on the, uh, the touchline. Um, and he, uh, he reacted to the, uh, to the equalizer with all the emotion of a Buddhist statue. I don't know. He knew the cameras were on him. I don't know what message that was trying to convey, but it seemed to work because they did manage to find a winner. And what a what a, a group that was. I mean, if all the Champions League groups were like that, um, there wouldn't be a push to uh, to change the format. I mean, the lead, uh, well, the formation of the group changed seven times during that game wow. and teams were out altogether they were in the europa league or they were getting through in either first or second and it just it was just incredible drama that you couldn't script um 
I mean, it wasn't very watchable until the end or near the end. The first half was pretty dire, no pun intended. But um, Spurs got through and they got a, a home tie in, uh, in the next round, which uh, Marseille admitted that they didn't even know about. Some of the players, they didn't even realize that they could, uh, they could if they'd got a draw, they would have gone into the Europa League but they're out altogether. So what does that tell you about the uh, the preparation? Well, I think also that if you get through to the Champions League knockout, the amount of money is something like in the order of 2 million euros. Uh, whereas if you go to Euro- Europa League, it's like 30 bucks. So you might as well just go for it. Uh, hey, Des, Meanwhile, another thing that we've learned, as is true for Liverpool and Chelsea, is that the Champions League is much easier than the Premier League. And so in the case of Liverpool, I mean, it wasn't easy going, but they beat Napoli 2-0, uh, were unable to top the group. I'm not really sure what difference that makes, but um, they're through. Yeah, um, being top makes a heck of a difference in who you avoid in, in, in the next round draw. Uh, I, I wasn't going to mention VAR, largely because Liverpool benefited from a ridiculous VAR on two occasions. Um, Funny how that works, eh, Des? Yeah, it's still wrong, I tell you. <laughs> Just because it works for you, it doesn't make it right. Um, but anyway, Liverpool, um, they, they did well. And young players came on. This was the... Uh, this was the really encouraging thing, I think, for Liverpool. In the um, Ramsey, a right back, came on in the last twenty minutes. Uh, Bajcevic, uh, who's the central midfielder, who I really can't get my, my, my tongue around his name, but he's looking a really, really good prospect in in centre mid. And um, Darwin Nunes is winning um, everybody over. He's mad as a fox. He's crazy, but my word, is he troublesome for any. Um, def- defense and he came on as a substitute and was involved in both goals. Scored the scored the second, um, although he should have let it go over Van Dyke's and uh, was was really a catalyst for Liverpool coming on in the last ten or fifteen minutes. But um, yeah, qualification from that. Um, Liverpool need to make sure they they get something out of the Tottenham game at the weekend, which we'll talk about. But for a team supposedly in absolute despair to come in with five wins in a row. In the Champions League, in a tough group, Ajax are, are no pushover. Rangers perhaps um, uh, easier than uh, than we expected, but that's uh, a good performance from Liverpool and uh, one that they will hope will stand them in good stead in the the last few games before the World Cup. Yeah, let's see if that encourages them in the uh, in the Premier League uh, and gives them confidence. And uh, Goglin, meanwhile, another team that discovers. Well, especially another manager who's discovered it. Life is so much easier in the Champions League than in the Premier League. Uh, Graham Potter has been very successful with Chelsea. And it's it was uh, Chelsea 2, Zagreb 1. Chelsea, in this case, did go top of the league. And, well, uh, can they take encouragement from uh, their display? Definitely, definitely. I mean, that kind of display I saw after going back 1-0 down, they're still coming back and playing some really good football. I really don't think there's a problem. I think with the Liverpool teams and the Chelsea teams, you know, these are shop window kind of games. The players are, you know, of international stature. They're playing. The only thing I can point out, if going back to that Liverpool thing and the Chelsea thing at the Premier League level, is that they weren't up for it. I can honestly tell you, when we get to the the Liverpool Spurs game, the Liverpool players were really up for it. Just like the yeah. Man City game, yeah. It's just they'll drop their the concentration levels are not there. I mean, you don't expect those kind of mistakes from Joe Gomez, you know. 
in the Leeds game. And it's just unbecoming of that, that side. And they're all going on about, you know, the Klopp has lost. It's the same side. They're playing some good football. They, if you can turn it on at the Champions League, you're not turning it off at the Premier League. It's, it's the players' mentality of the, how they're coming to that game. That's all. And, mm-hmm. uh, you saw that against Man City and how they raised their game. They will raise their game against Spurs. Mind that. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of Man City, Bob, uh, well, what can we say? Manchester City, three, Sevilla, one. They go through top of the their group along with Borussia Dortmund. And I don't know. It's uh, This is one jinx Champions League team, but maybe this is their year? It's got to be. Uh, Come on. Uh, well, Pep will certainly be hoping that. Um, I think he stayed on another year for for this, give it one more shot. Uh, if they win it, I don't know whether he, he would uh, carry on or take a sabbatical or what. But uh, certainly he's targeting that and the, uh, and the Premier League. Uh, they're quite capable of, uh, of winning both. They're favourites for both. Um, that might be a, a slight surprise to some people when you think of Real Madrid are still very much in it. But City are actually the bookies' favourites. Um, but they were, they probably were last year as well. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I on, paper, that. on paper, <laughs> but um, even when it looks like, uh, you know, they've almost got it in their grasp, uh, then Pep will go and overthink and, um, and they'll stuff it up somehow. So there's always that possibility. But this was uh, relatively, um, com- well, it was very comfortable. Um, and they even uh, managed to introduce some young players local boys uh, within uh, sort of 20 miles of Manchester, uh, which is quite something for a, for a club like that. Rico Lewis uh, got the headlines, a 17-year-old fullback, the youngest scorer, I believe, in uh, Champions League history, beating oh. the record of Karim Benzema oh. 20 years ago. Yeah. Um so he, he looked pretty good. He's a fullback. I mean, he got the headlines for scoring a goal, very well-taken goal, but he's, a, he's an attacking fullback. Um, looked pretty, uh, pretty tasty. Um, so Pep would have been pleased, but he had to bring on Kevin De Bruyne to, uh, to sort of prize open the severe defence. And I mentioned that because I've been reading where Graham Potter has been getting pelters from Chelsea fans for playing uh, Ben Chilwell. Uh, and and Chilwell, of course, got injured. Well, you have to play some of your star players. The squads are not that big that you can put in an entire reserve team. Just imagine if if Kevin De Bruyne had, had pulled up with a hamstring injury missing the World Cup. You know, um, I mean, it, it can happen. There's an element of risk in football. So I, I think in fairness to Graham Potter, he was unlucky. But... Uh, as we saw, other managers played their top guys. Klopp didn't have to play Mo Salah, but he did so. So, yeah, I mean, you want to win the game. You want to top the group. Well, most people do. So uh, I think that was very unfair for a Graham Potter to get um, criticised like that. It was just an unfortunate incident. Can I just mention that De Bruyne passed, though, when he did came on. Uh, three minutes in, he played the most sublime pass. What, what a pass, what a pass. The way yes. he curved, yeah. Glorious, glorious. That's why he was brought on, wasn't it? Oh. No, but that pass, mm. come on, from you just after the halfway line to look oh. up and play that pass. And first time, it was a first yeah. time ball. He didn't, exactly. it was just 
beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I, I would safely say I couldn't. I could never have done that during the during the <laughs> my footballing career. I, I not can, not with your not well, with your no. current injury. Yeah, yeah no, maybe when you're injured. Obviously, when a broken ankle. Come on. Um, okay, but uh, we take a break now. In a moment, we're going to wrap up the Champions League. Look at the Europa League and the Europa Conference League here on Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks BFM eighty nine point nine. Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. And we're back on Just for Kicks. And now with uh, Bob, Des, and Goglin, we're going to be looking at the uh, Champions League overall and uh, the Europa League 2. Now, uh, one of the things that struck me, uh, Des, both Scottish big Scott, the, the old firm got into the Champions League, Celtic and Rangers. Both did very, very badly. I think that actually Rangers uh, has done the worst of any team ever. I believe um, Celtic didn't do too well, but they've been applauded for, for, for going for it. And it's kind of disappointing, but is this, I know the money is the money's the, is it just the money? No, because we've seen the likes of Bruges have won their way through. And in the Tottenham group, we saw uh, sporting Lisbon clubs of, of an equal size to, to Rangers and Celtic. Um but it, it's devastating for Scottish football. The both sides were were mauled effectively. Celtic five uh, one at Real Madrid, uh, although they had a penalty saved when it was two uh, nil. So there was a, a, a bit of an opportunity uh, to get into that. But it's it, it's Scottish football. It's the competitiveness. Is it the money? Yes, of course it's the money because Celtic and Rangers earn twenty times as much as the rest of the Scottish clubs, and they earn twenty times less than the likes of Real Madrid, etc. So it does come into it. But it's. Um, I, I I wish I knew an answer. Hopefully they'll come good, but it's bad news for Scottish football at the moment. The national team's doing pretty well um, uh, in in terms of world rankings, and there's a there's a high point at the national team. But your league needs your your top teams to do better than both um, Rangers and Celtic did. I think both Celtic and Rangers eliminated that Scottish interest in all competition gone before the end of the year, because hearts are out of the Europa Conference as well. And that's not good. That's not good for Scottish football. Big clubs, they just... I, I don't have an answer, uh, but it's its very sad. I, I mentioned it to you and said, try and put it in the rundown, but um, I'm at a loss to how to solve it. But then you see the likes of Bruges have got through and Porto have got through and uh, Frankfurt are doing it, and even Leipzig, etc. So it, it's not all about money, but money is a big part. I think the only answer is for uh, UEFA to somehow sponsor these um, these smaller countries to compensate them for their low broadcasting revenues. I mean, that's where it's at, isn't it? I mean, they're rolling in money, UEFA and FIFA. And if they want a fair competition, I think they've got to do that. I mean, there was talk of a an Atlantic League at one time, which would include... Uh, Ajax, Celtic, and Benfica. Um, Atlantic being a bit of a stretch, but um, you got to call it something. The idea was to get former Champions League winners or former European Cup winners, great clubs with great fan bases, etc., um, to try to somehow compensate them for their domestic uh, broadcasting situation where they only get pennies. Um, but it never materialized. But I think it's up to UEFA. If they want a fair competition to give 
these countries that have, uh, you know, get paid peanuts for broadcasting, um, they've, they've got to compensate them for it. Something, something like that is about the only way I can think of. Okay. So a medal for turning up. That's reasonable. Is it? Is it though? I mean, you know. No, it's not a medal for turning up. We're seeing in the in the Tottenham group that we looked at, where Frankfurt, Sporting, um, Tottenham, and Marseille went toe to toe with it. Absolutely fabulous entertainment. Even in one of the conference um, uh, or the Europa Europa League groups, the four teams were level on eight points. That's what you want. That's the competition that you want, and um, so it, it's not all about money. But uh, Bob's maybe, it, but we do need to somehow equalize it in some way, shape, or form. We really do. Okay, well, Goglin, I'm going to I'm going to read out the uh, the quali- the final sixteen qualifiers for the Champions League and see if I mean there are, there are a couple of surprises there, uh, some missing as well. So we've got Napoli, Liverpool, Porto, Bruges, Bayern Munich, Inter Milan, Tottenham. Frankfurt, Eintracht Frankfurt, Chelsea, AC Milan, Madrid, Leipzig, Man City, Dortmund, Benfica, PSG. So uh, um, Barcelona are not there, which is uh, something. Juventus are not there. And we've got the likes of Bruges and, I don't know, do we say uh, Europa champions, Eintracht Frankfurt are a surprise? I don't know. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, they were. Had a bad season so far, apart from this. So I mean, Gogolin, all of that half and that puff from the uh, the 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 league stage was it worth it? Have we got uh, an interesting lineup? No, I think what what uh, to echo what Des and uh, Bob was saying, the quality of the group stages has grown tremendously since it was implemented as a group stage. Initially, when the group stages were implemented, it was like a money-making thing and everybody's like, oh, you know, the Champions League only starts at the knockout phases and all that. You know, that was the mantra that was going on for quite a time. But this past two, I mean, post-COVID, I think the group stages have really picked up in terms of quality, like we just pulled out. Actually, the only weak links were the Scottish sides, if you ask me. Everybody else pulled their weight. Maybe Maccabi Haifa was, uh, you know. But these teams will come into their own, give them time, you know. And again, these there were weeping. I track Frankfurt was a weeping boy back in the day, you know, Bruges and all that. But these teams have also come in their way, and teams will fall out, fall in. The big fall try the try to stay in there because of the reason of the money, right? And hence why they won the UEFA Super League and all that stuff. But that quality is growing, and so these group stages cannot be taken lightly anymore. And especially with now, if you don't qualify for the Champions League in a few seasons, your seeding drops, and you get into a tough uh, draw, uh, group like what Barcelona found out. So, yes, these guys are all worth their spot in the knockout stages. Okay. Uh, Des, uh, the Europa League. I've I've been a little harsh on the Europa League in the past. And you're a semi-advocate. Are you an advocate? I mean, give us an overview. Uh, the teams that are supposed to have gone through have gone through, and they've been additions like Barcelona and Juventus. Is the Europa League growing? Yeah, I'm a, I'm, a hu- I'm a huge advocate of that and the conference, which is the one that you completely ignore and forget and are very rude about, because oh, it's not just about the top clubs. The fact the top clubs are in the um, the Europa League is, is great, and I, I, I really like what UEFA have done in making it a real jeopardy knockout between those teams relegated from the um, Champions League, play the second-place teams in the groups, that meant that, and we'll talk about Man United, I'm sure, the Man United game at Sociedad, if both had qualified and both are through, it's almost a dead rubber. But Man United had to win by two goals to nil to avoid one of the Champions League drops. So United 
having only won 1-0 at Sociedad, they could face uh, Juventus or Barcelona uh, in the next round. And that's fabulous. In any competition, a Barcelona-Manchester United match is, is, is absolutely wonderful. But it also gives the likes of Salzburg, if they get drawn against Man United, a big, big opportunity. So it's it's great that the, the, um, the, the so-called elite have got to mix it with the rabble once in a while, um, which is exactly what sport and football should be all about. It's meant to be our best 11 against your best 11, but the, the thumb has been on the scale with the, with all the finances. So, um, uh, yeah, it's great. I'm a big fan of the Europa League and of the Europa Conference. Well, uh, okay, I'm being persuaded, because I'm easily persuaded. Uh, uh, some of the names in the Europa League are really, it sounds like, it should be the Champions League, some of these names. So, as uh, so Bob, as Des mentioned, uh, Manchester United have gotten through, but they have to uh, do a playoff. And Arsenal got through top of their, cha- their league. And um, I, I'm, I'm trying to summon up. I'm trying to sound interested, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> I think he'll be interested uh, in the draw, uh, okay. Monday's draw, and that could uh, could serve up some crackers. I mean, in uh, Manchester United versus Barcelona, as Des says, if that was dominoes, I think you'd get a crowd. Um, or Juventus or Atletico Madrid. These are possibilities, mouth-watering possibilities. Arsenal, they managed to avoid these two extra games in uh, February. Uh, which they'll be very pleased about. But United tried very hard to avoid them, even bringing on Harry Maguire as an auxiliary striker 10 minutes from the end. Um, how about that? Uh, didn't work, of course. But uh, they they could be out. Um, this is it. This is the jeopardy. Uh, it's almost certain that these uh, two of these big boys, Ju- Juventus, I, uh, Juventus uh, Ajaxia, Barcelona, Atletico or Man United uh, will meet. So one of them is going to go out before the the second uh, part of the Europa League has really started. So there is quite a lot of jeopardy there to think you've gone through all this and then you, you have the draw, then you wait for the World Cup, the resumption next February, and then you go out in the first game. Yeah, quite a bit of jeopardy. So full marks to UEFA for this. They've been tweaking things. It's not often we say that. But the, the great pity is, of course, all this is going to go out the window in 2024 when yes. the big boys have their say and they have this so-called Swiss system, which just about guarantees that the top clubs will get through a lot less jeopardy. And this is almost like a Super League. But this this was the price you paid for for so-called peace um, between UEFA and, and the rebel clubs. So enjoy it while it lasts. But I think those next two seasons could be, um, this one has already been good. And uh, you've got another one with this format. And I think we'll enjoy that too. But then it'll all go, uh, well, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. there are many words to describe. What uh, a what's cheerful fellow you are, Bob Holmes. No, yeah, I'll to lift the mood on a Friday night. Bring on the Super League. <laughs> enjoy the next two years. And then yeah. we'll see what happens. Well, speaking of which, uh, Goglin, uh, the Europa Conference League, where, um, I mean, the one thing that caught my eye was West Ham. West Ham got through, and West Ham are playing almost like the next day in the Premier League. Uh, 
Make me excited about the uh, Europa Conference League, Gogolin. <laughs> I think the only person who can make you make the Europa Conference League exciting is uh, Des, mate. I really have no idea what the Europa Conference is. <laughs> the money, but then you know, Des will say it'll bringing up football, you know, and all that. From an Asian point of view, it's a complete bloody waste of time. Go on then, Des. Get us excited about their conference. So it's the Europa Conference League. Asia doesn't really come it's into called the a, It's a Europa Division 2, mate. That's what you're trying to say. <laughs> but it's still an opportunity for the likes of Shamrock Rovers to get a moment in the spotlight, even though they... And I rest the defence <laughs> This is my whole point. Sport is not about your elite. Sport is about everybody getting the opportunity. Yeah, this is what's happening now. Every kid gets a medal. It's not every kid gets a medal. It's every team has an opportunity to get a you, moment you, in the The spotlight. reason we have sport is for you to be the elite. That is the reason you have sports, for you to be get into the elite, not to just exist. Okay, so let's look at the Frankfurt story. Frankfurt made a stepping stone from A up to Exactly, B. a stepping stone because they wanted to get it into the It is a elite. stepping stone. So yeah. no, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's the equivalent of the, Euro, of the yeah, Champions League. I'm, I'm defending the Europa League, not the Conference League. That but is West- just another man making an opportunity by UFA. It, it's an opportunity for clubs to generate income to get their fans excited. Well, we have the, they, remember the Cup Winners' Cup? Yeah, fabulous tournament. Fantastic exactly. And why, tournament. why did you first scrap that? So you ain't for scrap that because of the same reason the Champions League, it is for money. I'm not disagreeing with you. But uh, in the in the UEFA Cup, you used to have second division teams. West Ham went all the way through to the final, having won it uh, the English FA Cup as a second division team. Fantastic. Yeah, so they deserve to be there because they won a cup, right? Not to just exist. It's not a case of that. These guys are champions. These guys are champions. Okay, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna go blow. blow I gotta blow the whistle on this one. Uh, I'm afraid, <laughs> and we have to take a break. Um, but uh, yeah, the Europa Conference League. Make your own decisions on that one. And but you got the opportunity to watch. What was it? Shamrock Rovers. Um, Shamrock Rovers. Uh huh. And I didn't even know there were that many teams in Istanbul. There is Istanbul Besak. So here, it's I did a not big know city, that. mate. It's a big. It city. is a very big city. They've already a very big city. And there should be that many teams in Kuala Lumpur. There should be that many teams in Malaysia. We'll talk oh, oh, about absolutely. That later on. Absolutely, I agree entirely. I, I absolutely. Anyway, take a break, and in a moment, we're going to be going off to the Premier League here on Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM eighty nine point nine. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back on Just for Kicks with Des Corkill, Bob Holmes, Goglin. And during the break, we were trying to remember how many how many Irish teams we can come, come up with. And uh, we didn't do very well. I didn't do very well. Uh, so we're going to move on now to the uh, Premier League and Bob Holmes. We've got some pretty good lineups uh, this weekend. We can't talk about all of them, but Super Sunday... We have Chelsea versus Arsenal. I actually looked it up. I assumed that Arsenal have never, ever won uh, at Chelsea. But the last two times, they have actually won. So, uh, Arsenal on the ascendance. I think Arsenal will be favourites for this. Uh, they, uh, they're in a rich vein of form. They've only lost one game uh, at Man United. And uh, yeah, they they got through safely. Uh, they got through the um, uh, their group in the Europa League, the much maligned Europa League in midweek. <laughs> no, we uh, love the Europa League yeah. without too many uh, without too many uh, scares. 
So uh, yeah, um, it's a it's a great uh, Sunday in prospect. It really is, uh, and it is the elite, isn't it? Um, I mean, top four, top six teams here. We're talking if well, Liverpool. I mean, they're not not in the top six at the moment, but they I think they soon will be. So uh, it, everything to play for. Absolutely fascinating. Uh, you don't need to be Don King to promote this uh, double header here. Uh, you've You've got, uh, I think, Spurs and and Liverpool is is actually the more intriguing tussle of the two, given the rather erratic form of both clubs. Uh, don't know whether the first half will be worth watching though, because Spurs don't play in the first half, and Liverpool always concede a goal. I think someone should remind Spurs that, about this, and um, you know they can pop one in. Uh, but it's got the makings of an absolute cracker. Because if Liverpool, they've got Southampton next week at home. If they can win their next two games, they'll be back in touch with the top four. I'm not going to say the top, but the top four, which is vital for next season, of course. So uh, it depends which Liverpool turn up. Spurs, it depends whether they decide to play for 90 minutes or just 45. Uh, Absolutely fascinating. And... Darwin Nunes, as uh, Des says, is hitting his straps, uh, looking a threat. And it's a good thing, too, because you've got long-term injuries with Luis Diaz and uh, Diogo Jota. Uh, So it's a good, very good and timely return to form for Darwin Nunes. And uh, I think Liverpool uh, might just shade it. Well, there was Bobby. He managed to do just about every match in one go. And... uh, (laughs) Very well done. So uh, in that in that spirit, we're going to jump on ahead then. And uh, Des, so Liverpool have been having a pretty torrid time recently. Uh, it's going to be Tottenham Hotspur versus Liverpool. I don't know. Uh, I mean, as I said, I don't think Spurs are really that great. But then Liverpool, I don't know, uh, not that great either. Uh, is it possible for two teams to lose? Spurs are fabulously resilient and physically very strong, and they're third in the table. I really don't know why you've got this one-eyed thing about Tottenham. I did tell you about the start of the season about them. Liverpool have been remarkably inconsistent. They can defeat Napoli. They can defeat Manchester City. They can um, score nine and seven in individual games and then go and lose at home to Leeds and away at Nottingham Forest. In, In games where, I've got to say, the opposition goalkeeper had standout games, and it could easily... Both games could easily have gone Liverpool's way. So the results for Liverpool haven't been great, but their performances have been a little bit underwhelming as well. Even the Napoli win, late goals. It's um, th- There's a transition going on at Liverpool. The injuries, which mystify me because they happen so regularly to, to Jurgen Klopp's teams and so many key players out um, for such a, uh, a moment. But for Liverpool, they've got um, this match at Tottenham they cannot afford to lose. They're already too far behind. So this, in many ways, is Liverpool's uh, cup final before they go away, uh, before before the World Cup. They've still got Southampton to play uh, in the final Premier League game um, before the World Cup break. But this is a, a must-not-lose and ideally win because they are losing so much ground. Yes, you can make up maybe nine points, but Liverpool, you're looking 15, 16 points if they lose to Tottenham here. And that but doesn't that make it more dangerous for Liverpool if you try too hard against Tottenham, a really great counter-attacking team? Correct, correct. Uh, it's it, You're in danger. You you are. I, I think this will be tight. I think it'll be 
cagey. Um, but the, the the importance of it for for Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp, incidentally, he was given the freedom of the city of Liverpool this uh, week purely for his um, his work with not only the football club but within the city itself. Uh, let let's hope from a, a strictly neutral perspective that Liverpool go to Tottenham and get a win. <laughs> what, what does the freedom of the city actually mean? Does he get to go into people's houses or something? <laughs> hey, I think you can judge Klopp, people. I hate your carpet. Doesn't go. You can almost walk on water. Can Jurgen Klopp at the moment? Like he can. Does. He can. If he was just offered the kingdom of Liverpool, I mean, they'd give it to him, wouldn't they? Uh, yeah, yes. Although there's been some there's been some heat on him. Um, not from people inside the city. Uh, mainly from uh, keyboard warriors from around the world, but there's been some heat because Liverpool and the, on, and, on, and the media because they need to sell, you know. Of course, of course, but um, but uh, but, you, but yes, to huge. touch on that, uh, Spurs haven't been the same since Kulusevski got injured, you know that. Yeah, and uh, Son Heung Min will be Yeah, exactly. And so so he, he's got a, a a little story. Son Heung Min, he, he he's broken cheekbone. I did that um, when I was 23, and I've still got no feelings on this side of the face. So if anyone wants to punch me, please punch me on this side of my face. Uh, he is pointing at, um, is it Mirror? Right. Your, that, right. That's your right side. Okay. Yeah. So just yeah. remember that, folks. A left hook, in other words. Uh, yeah, one, fi- one final thing, uh, Des, come off the fence. Who's going to win uh, Liverpool and Spurs? I think Liverpool have got to, I suspect, a draw. Okay. And uh, by the way, Bob, I just want to jump back to you very quickly. You didn't actually tell us Chelsea and, um, Arsenal. and uh, Arsenal. Who's going to win? Arsenal. Okay. Moving forward then, Gogolin, uh, you are a fan of Aston Villa. You are probably the most pessimistic fan I have ever met. Um, so Aston Villa are playing Manchester United. And, uh, well, you know, we've got a, a new Villa, have we not? Um, against a really emerging Manchester United, uh, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> what could possibly go? I mean, Una Emery is a great signing for a... I mean, from from the Villa perspective, from my perspective, you know, after Steven Gerrard, he's a long-term manager. They've given him given him a really long contract, one of the biggest contracts for a manager at Villa for a long time. So let's see what he does. His first game is against, of course, United. He's never lost to United, apparently, his record says. So, you know, it, again, it's a clean slate. And you're right. This is a re-emerging United. They're grounding out wins. They are, you know, drilling down, deep down to wins. I still don't realize how they didn't top the group after winning, but, you know, with Harry Maguire as a striker, so I guess that's why. But let's see what they have. I mean, they have, I think they have a lot of injury concerns also, right? But Anthony Martial is back, if I'm not mistaken, for the Villa game. I'm not sure. With the, I'm going to check the fantasy lineup. But yeah, if anyone remembers, Anthony Martial is a French footballer who plays for Manchester. <laughs> he's still alive. Yeah, he used to play. So yeah, wow. I think he's in back. But depends on what squad they put out. It's going to be a it's going to be a real eye opener. And you know, it's the new era at Villa. So roll on the football. Okay, so uh, choose your pessimist, eternal pessimist that you are. Who's going to win? I'm hoping for a draw. You're hoping for a draw. But Villa wow. United will win. Why? In a, in a, a little, in a short while, not just yet, we'll be hearing from uh, Nottingham Forest fan Bob Holmes, and you're going to hear a true optimism. I, I can I can promise you. Uh, a little bit uh, tempered though uh, this week after after what happened last week. Well, we'll get we'll get to you soon. So, uh, Bob, Manchester United still remain the most popular team in the world, and certainly in Asia, they have Im- really truly improved and. Um, are we looking at a Manchester United really coming back? I mean, they're in fifth now, and 
a point behind fourth. Is this going to be? I think I went this season well. Is this is this a good thing? Uh, well, it's a good thing for Manchester United. Yeah, I mean, I would say I, I would give my manager of the season so far award to Ten Hag. I think, given the circumstances, the difficulties that he had, mainly posed by uh, Ronaldo's uh, shenanigans, I think he's handled it superbly. Mm. And uh, I, I can't think of anyone who's done a better job. I mean, obviously Arteta and uh, and, and uh, Potter, and you can think of guys uh, like that. But given the difficulties, I mean, remember, it wasn't so long ago when we were looking at uh, his arrival as as being the most untimely and unfortunate of any new manager to a big team almost ever with uh, Ronaldo not wanting to tour, not wanting to play, this and that. Um, you know, uh, they still had to make signings, which they did. They, they've, uh, Casemiro particularly uh, has been a success. Uh, so I think he's done remarkably well. It's not the finished article yet. I, think, I don't think they'll get in the top four. But mm. from where they were when he took over, I think he's done a great job, and I think they, they've got to stick with him, which I'm sure they will. So this, uh, yeah, a transitional uh, season. Ronaldo won't be there next season, and uh, Ten Hagen can buy his own players, and I think they'll build and they'll make a, a, a really serious attempt to get in the Champions League after that. But I think this is just a transitional se- se- uh, season, and I think the worst is behind them. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, Des, Southampton versus Newcastle. And Southampton is an enigma to me. Uh, and I would have thought the way that Newcastle are going, who are fourth right now, and deservedly so, that uh, they would win this. And yet, and yet, Southampton can suddenly pull one out. And um, But I think we're going to be talking about Newcastle a lot more as the years go by. And I think we're really beginning to see the emergence of that right now. So yeah, I um I had them top seven at the start of the season. I'm I'm really thinking Champions League now because they're defensively very strong. Botman and Shar are looking good in the in the heart of the defense. Going forward, Callum Wilson is injury free. Almiron is a different player. Gamarish is pushing them forward from midfield. They don't have any interruptions in terms of, of, of Europe. So this team that Eddie Howe has got pressing, pressing, pressing will be fresh and fit uh, throughout the season. I think that they have got a very good, strong uh, 11 or 12 or 13 core. If they get injuries, there might be one or two problems. But I think this team is um, a team who could really go all the way. And so it's not a top six anymore. It's, it's a top seven because um, Newcastle have firmly pushed themselves in there and not just because of big signings. They've made good signings. Eddie Howe, I'm, um, I, I know Goggs has been a long-term fan. I took me time to warm up, but he's done everything right. Defensively good. Uh, four goals conceded in their last eight. It's only Liverpool, I think, and Man City who scored more than uh, one against them. Liverpool's won in the 98th minute. Man City a three-all uh, bazinga of a game. Look out for Newcastle. I think they're strong defensively, aggressive in midfield. They've got confident goal scorers, and I don't see them tripping up at Southampton. Southampton could be an awkward place to, to go and play, but not against a team who presses onto them. Um, this is a, this, yeah, Newcastle for Champions League. That's my call. But um, fourth or higher? Top three. 
Top three, oh. maybe. Pay, keep, yeah. keep, keep, almost automatic. I just don't see a weak... Unless they get injuries. Gamarish, perhaps. Or, or even... Um, I'm loving what I'm loving Sharp defensively, but they've got Dan Byrne who can step in there. They, they, they've got a, a reasonable squad. Um, Nick Pope, I'm a big fan of. So, um, yeah, but very good. And it's... And they've got money to spend after this. That's the terrifying thing. Yeah. So um, let's all practice our Geordie accents because we're going to hear a lot of them over the next 10 years. And and, and they play as a unit. That is the biggest thing. This team yeah. plays as a real unit. Yeah. There's a sense of real teamwork in that, you know, the way they celebrate the goals and all that. You can see the difference from a, you know, a, a team that has been built and a team that has been bought. Absolutely. And they've done it without St. Maximin. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. 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 He's back. But- he's, I think he's back to full fitness now. But one star signing, if they get a bit crazy, one, I'm not saying a Ronaldo, but, you know, one glamour signing could could break it up. Yeah, that's when the marketing team gets involved. And Oh, okay. And that's but where... I, I, I don't think that's... I think Howard's earned, really earned a chance of, a, of, a, of longevity here. And, um, oh, well, well done. Well done, yeah. Um, yeah. Eddie Howe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let, okay. let's, put it, let's put it this way, Kev. I know we've got to wrap it up, but let's put it this way. If if they decide to start going with a big signing and all and big manager signings and all that, Eddie Howe will be not short of suitors. suitors sorry. No, oh, sure. For sure. For sure. England, for a start. Well, uh... We've got to move on. And in a moment, we will we'll be looking at a bit more Premier League and then the Malaysia Cup here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back in part four with uh, on Just for Kicks with Goglin, Bob and Des. And we're going to look at some more of the uh, Premier League matches coming up. And uh, well... Bob, let's start with you. There's a match coming up, which is very important. Well, every match is now important for Nottingham Forest, who are comfortably at the bottom of the table. And if they manage to beat Brentford, they would be could be conceivably comfortably at the top of the bottom of the table. <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, it's looking difficult. Yeah, it is. Um, the uh, the hammering at Arsenal was uh, was really a, uh, a quite a shaker to the club. Uh, their feeling was that they the worst had been uh, was over. Uh, they'd actually um, kept a couple of clean sheets, beaten Liverpool, and uh, the feeling was that they'd turned the corner. So to get hammered like that, I mean, to lose to Arsenal is no no great uh, shame, but to to play as one commentator put it like uh, training dummies and I don't think that was was really being too harsh frankly um it was they, just they, a non they really were quite terrible they, they were they weren't quite terrible they were absolutely terrible <laughs> there wasn't a redeeming feature in in the performance and that uh, and they know that and that's really shaken the confidence I think of everybody including perhaps Steve Cooper himself so you know it's back to the drawing board i mean he he seemed to have settled or half settled on a on the core of a squad but uh now i think he's got to look he's got to to change and try some of the players the 22 that they signed one or two haven't yet started i think he's got to look a bit beyond those that have and and try some new things because uh Based on that performance at Arsenal, they're going down. But uh, Steve, so, 
Brentford See, against Brentford, though. Against Brentford. Well, this is this is a game that they would look at. You know, they they would say this is winnable. No disrespect to uh, Brentford, uh, who I I quite like actually. I hope they get into the Europa Conference next season. But um, of all the games, I mean, you you come down from playing Arsenal away to Brentford at home. I mean, if you're going to get some points anywhere, you, you'd have to say it would be against Brentford at home, wouldn't you? So, uh, yeah, it's it's a must win if they're going to stay up. And they've got <laughs> another home winnable home game next week, Crystal Palace. So they've got to get four points minimum from these two ne- uh, next two games. Um, okay, so uh, that's a that's a yeah, a bit, it's a tempered uh, Bob Holmes there, uh, Des. Everton, Everton are going to be taking on Leicester, and you know, looking at the the table, Leicester are way so much higher. They're twelfth, Leicester eighteenth, but they're only separated by three points. Uh, the bottom of the table is actually the 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 it's quite close. So it is quite possible for Leicester to yet turn their season around. And Everton, have they been? Um, flattering to deceive or are they are they really coming into something under Lampard? Uh, they are becoming defensively a lot more sound Everton. The signing of Tarkovsky as as um, I said when he signed and uh, Connor Cody has, has made them a lot tighter. Jordan Pickford we know is can be a sensationally wonderful goalkeeper if a little bit erratic. So and Everton now they've got uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin back um, and, and Neil Mopé up front with Demary Gray playing very well out wide, they've got the chance of improving. The Everton fans are right behind Frank Lampard. Uh, they, they really are. They're mm. not expecting the world. They're expecting maybe um, a middle to top 10 finish um, in, in, the, in the table. Um, and that's what they're going to get because they, they've not spent big bucks yet. When their stadium comes on, which is growing and growing and growing, I do look out for Everton in a few years' time. As for Leicester... They played well against Manchester City. They were undone by more De Bruyne magic. Um, they were on a, a, the back of a three good results, the um, two wins against Leeds and the, the 4-0 at Wolves. So uh, Leicester improving. I thought they were in a false position under Brendan Rodgers um, because I, I rate Brendan Rodgers. But um, I, I was worried about them for a little while. But then they put that little run of form together, uh, th- three unbeaten before Man City. Um, Leicester, a good team. I can't see many goals in this. Uh, maybe a draw, maybe a draw at 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 Goodison. Um, but both need points. What what is it at the bottom? As you say, it's very very tight at the bottom. Points uh, draws are very very useful. You prefer wins because that can catapult you away. But draws are very useful. Yeah, um, goalless or one all for this one. Mm-hmm. One other match that I I, I just can't tell, I cannot tell what the 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 scoreline could be at the end. Goglan, West Ham versus Palace. Now West Ham have. Uh, just played in Europe, and it does seem to tire people out, especially if you do later in the week. Palace um, scoring more, I think, than they they have done in the past, but uh, a couple of points separate them. I I don't know how. You're right. How... They, they're both they're both in the, for the quality is about the same right now, and you're the only the only variable being that uh, West Ham played on the in midweek and. Palace are well rested, so that's the only variable that you can throw into that mix. Otherwise, I would look at it a draw. But right now, Palace would have the edge in that in that sense of that encounter. Mm. I'm still enjoying Palace. Um, I it's the it's one team that I really look forward to seeing. And uh, speaking of which, Bob, 
Man City versus Fulham. Man City can can do something, but Fulham have been a revelation. Yeah, so um, they, if Mitrovic... Mitrovic uh, missed a lot of chances last weekend, so now it's his turn to perhaps put one of them away. <laughs> yeah, he's still, I think, second leading scorer, isn't he, in the, uh, in the Premier League. Uh, he certainly uh, made up for his uh, first season uh, four or five years ago when Fulham came up. Uh, perhaps trying a little too hard. Uh, he's even missed a penalty and uh, been snatching at one or two chances. But uh, overall, Fulham have, have been superb. And I don't think they are anybody's favourites to go down anymore. They, um, they look comfortably mid-table. They, they, they played some good stuff. And I think that uh, Marco Silva, who's been around a bit as a manager, um, this was probably his last chance to prove he could do it in the Premier League, but he seems to be um, the man there. He seems to suit the club. They suit. They like him. Fans are on board. Uh, he hasn't gone crazy with signings. They haven't given him enough money for that. But uh, he's welded a, a pretty good team together. They've got a good spirit. And in Mitrovic, they've got a guy who can score most of the time. So they're not pushovers. But then again, away at Man City... Uh, after a, a fairly easy ride in midweek and the possibility of Haaland coming back, uh, I think he, he probably will because he's only got two more games before he has a long rest because he's not involved in the World Cup. So uh, City will be trying to get their money's worth out of him for, you know, have another eight or nine goals uh, on, his, on his tally for, uh, before the break for the World Cup. So... This weekend and next, uh, look forward to seeing Haaland. So I, I think that City with Haaland are going to be too good for Fulham, despite Fulham probably play some nice football if they can get the ball, but uh, can't see anything other than a comfortable win for City. Yeah, yeah. Uh, having said uh, that, do we do Fulham big win? Are we doing right. shouts anymore? You know, when we back back in the uh, day. No, we don't do that. That that that's uh, we don't we don't shout anymore. You're calling no, Fulham to win at City, huh? Go I on, am, yes. actually. I am, actually. <laughs> I think maybe too, oh, actually. It. Yeah, reintroduce yeah. it, Cam, just for yeah. this. Okay, we'll do, we'll do, we'll do the big whisper, because I don't like, <laughs> I like to shout. Shouting is just poor behaviour. So, uh, Des, <laughs> um, apologies uh, if we've missed out your team, but I really want to jump on, Des, to the uh, Malaysia Cup. Um, what's happening there? So it's a, an all-knockout tournament this year. The round of 16 was completed in the week um, and it's thrown up some fascinating two-legged quarterfinal ties, the first of which are, are this weekend and then the second legs next Friday and Saturday. And the, the one that really invokes uh, the, 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 or gets the appetite going is Kalantan versus Johor Darrell Taksim. Now, mm. in 2013, Kalantan were the team. And then uh, Tunku Makoto of Johor came in and started um, really pushing the Johor element. And it's gone completely the wrong way. But in, in 2013, Kalantan overcame a 4-2 first leg defeat against Johor to beat them 6-1. And the year before, they beat them in the FA Cup final. So if you look on the history books, Kalantan have got a chance. This time, well, they were they were towards the top of the um, Premier League this time, but Johor have won nine straight titles in a row. But I can imagine Kota Baru will be absolutely pumped for the first leg um, this weekend. So Kalantan versus Johor is, is one match. Another one, you've got um, the Borneo derby, uh, Kuching versus Sabah, the East Malaysia derby. So Kuching have... Uh, 
They're the, the big team in Sarawak at the moment, and Sarawak United have lost their licence for next year, so they won't be part of um, uh, Malaysian football next year. Sabah have had a terrific season where they, they feel hard done by that they weren't allowed to play in the AFC Cup after coming third in the league, so they need to progress through. Um, and so uh, Kuching versus Sabah, that'll be a, a fabulous two-legged game. Salango versus Negri Sembilan. Kay Devon is the Negri Sembilan coach going back to his old team, Salango. Negri had a, a really good season in the Premier in the Super League this year. Salango are, well, under and, and Tan Cheng Ho are um, re-emerging. So that's a little bit tasty. And then Kuala Lumpur City, the defending champions, will take on Tringanu. So Tringanu had a, a 9-3 aggregate win over Pahang. Uh, Kapar Sherman scoring a hat-trick in a 5-1 first leg win. And so Tranganu are looking really good. They they won, they won they were second in the league. They made it to the final of the FA Cup. So they're a good team. So KL City have a huge task if they're to hold on to their um, Malaysia Cup. So the, they're, they're the four big ties um, and games taking place this weekend on Saturday and Sunday. And then next Friday and Saturday, the second leg. So it's it's bubbling up nicely. Two leg semifinals, one off final, which will which will be good. Um, if I can just give another piece of news, a big kudos to uh, the Malaysia Football League. In the, an appeal was made by both Malacca and Sarawak United against their license, club license being revoked because they haven't paid players. Um, and I suspect there was immense pressure on uh, the MFL to actually endorse the licenses. But they've said, no, you don't make the standards. So neither Malacca nor Sarawak United will play in the uh, Malaysia Super League next year, which mm. means it's possibly... Um, a 16-team league. It was planned to be 18. But I hear mm, UITM and PJ City are possibly not going to be competing anyway. So it could be a 14-team uh, top flight, which is uh, something that Malaysia football needs to look at. The M3 league... That, that is a ridiculous number. That is just ridiculous. It's so the tiny. M3 league needs to step up. The M3 league needs to generate uh, more semi-professional or professional clubs. The structure has been put in there. Um, so you need that pyramid. Because you're quite right, Cam, you're, you're, you're 14 professional clubs, which is a possibility, is is crazy for a country of uh, 30. For a, for a football nation, yeah. that's just pathetic, yeah. really. Um, anyway, we, we've run out of time. We must stop there. And uh, all right, we're going to bring back the, the big shout, but we call it the polite whisper or something like that. Polite, a polite aside, shall we? Um, and we'll do that next time. But for now, I'd like to thank Goglin. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Good weekend. And Bob Holmes. Thanks for having me and enjoy Super Sunday. Yeah, it's mouthwatering. And finally, Des Corkill. Yeah, and get to a Malaysia um, Cup game if you possibly can. Um, Saturday and Sunday, it's getting rather tasty at the moment. And uh, and from myself also, then Cam Rustland. And please join us next time for an uh, edition of Just for Kicks here on BFM 89.9. For more football, tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8pm. Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.